What really happened on January 6th, 2021, on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show? Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 316 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Friday, January 6th. 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, coming up, we will actually have President Trump from a recent interview that you haven't heard before talking about January 6th, among other things. Okay, first of all, I hope you understand that January 6th was not an insurrection. It was a Fed-surrection. There's a guy named Ray Epps. Heard of him? If you haven't, you need to read all about him at Revolver.News. He was a guy all over video, this video all over the place, from January 5th and January 6th, urging people to get into the Capitol building. He's a guy that is seen whispering in the ear of a fellow right before he knocks over barricades. He is a guy that as people start streaming into the Capitol building because he urged them to do that, turns around, is grinning ear to ear as he starts walking away. He's the guy that... A little bit of his testimony was recently released by Nancy Pelosi's sham January 6th committee. And in that testimony, he's admitting that he texted a relative saying, I orchestrated the whole thing. He's the guy that Joe Biden's Justice Department refuses to indict. He's the only, only person at January 6th on the Capitol, 2021, that the mainstream media, if they mention him at all, treats him as a good guy. Now, on a previous episode, more than one previous episode, I played for you audio of Senator Ted Cruz Senate Judiciary Committee from about a year ago 
when he had the assistant director of the FBI for counter for counterterrorism, Jill Sanborn, under oath, asking, is Ray Epps a Fed? And she said, I can't answer that. Did any federal assets commit crimes of violence on January 6th at the Capitol? I can't answer that. Okay? So we're going to give you, minute by minute, blow by blow, what happened there. And by the way, just so you know, no police officers were killed on January 6th, but I often hear conservatives People on our side saying only one person was killed that day. Her name was Ashley Babbitt. No, no. Ashley Babbitt was one of four Trump supporters killed that day. The others were Roseanne Boyland, who was beaten mercilessly by a female Capitol Hill police officer and then crushed down at the tunnel the lower west portico, the other two were named Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips, who were standing in a peaceful crowd outside the Capitol building when Capitol Hill police officers started firing projectiles, flashbang grenades, tear gas canisters, and projectiles hit Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips, who Both had heart attacks as a result of that and died. Now, before we get to the President Trump interview from Darren J. Beatty at Revolver News, uh, before we get to the blow-by-blow, minute-by-minute account of what happened on January 6th, no one has done a better job of reporting on January 6th than Julie Kelly over at America Greatness. So let me share with you Her column, January 6th, a day that will live in alchemy. Over at amgreatness.com, she says, A few weeks before Christmas, federal authorities arrested a Washington state couple for their participation in the Capitol protest on January 6th, 2021. Now, when she says a few weeks before Christmas, she's talking about Christmas 2022, almost two years later. She says the FBI investigated Scott and Holly Christensen for more than 14 months. FBI agents interrogated coworkers, scoured social media accounts, reviewed hours of security video from inside the Capitol building and body cam footage from law enforcement, and issued a search warrant to confirm the couple's whereabouts that day. An unidentified agent on the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force wrote in a November 2022 criminal complaint, according to records obtained through legal process served on AT&T, cell phones associated with the Christensen's were identified as having utilized a cell site consistent with providing service to a geographic area that included the interior of the United States Capitol building on January 6, 2021, from 2.43 Eastern Time to 3.51 Eastern Time. AT&T records confirmed that both devices belong to Scott Christensen of Puyallup, Washington. So what exactly did these alleged domestic terrorists do? 
They entered the Capitol through open doors as police officers stood by, carrying no weapons. The couple took photos inside the rotunda and wandered through some hallways. Surveillance video shows Holly Christensen speaking with a Capitol Police officer. At another point, Scott Christensen chatted with a D.C. Metro police officer, a conversation captured on a body-worn camera. Police led the pair toward an exit door about 45 minutes later without arresting them. For that uneventful jaunt through a public building that posed a threat to no one, the Christensen's will now be destroyed by the Department of Justice, the federal court system, and the news media. Although both were charged with nonviolent misdemeanors, the same four offenses that represent the overwhelming majority of charges, journalists dishonestly portrayed the couple as traitors to their country. A headline from the Associated Press on December 12th blared the words, Washington state couple to face January 6th insurrection charges. Which, of course, is music to the ears of the Biden regime. Two years after the events of January 6, 2021, the Justice Department is preparing to accelerate its retaliatory, destructive manhunt for Trump supporters. More than 950 people have been arrested and charged so far, a figure expected to at least double by the time the dust settles. Last year, U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, Matthew Graves, the Biden appointee handling every January 6th case, hinted the total number of defendants could reach 2,000 people. The newly appointed head of the FBI's Washington, D.C. field office warned this week the agency's work on January 6th cases will continue for months and years to come. Attorney General Merrick Garland released a statement to commemorate the second anniversary of the so-called attack on the Capitol with a similar sentiment. Garland said, Our work is far from over, boasting how the prosecution continues to move forward at an unprecedented speed and scale. And why shouldn't it? After all, 18 Republican senators voted to pass the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill last month which included a $3.5 billion raise for the Justice Department, millions of which will be spent on hiring more government lawyers to prosecute January 6th cases. The FBI won a $570 million boost, bringing the Bureau's total annual budget to more than $11 billion. Nothing like feeding the wolves who are eating your herd. Joe Biden continues to fixate on January 6th in an attempt to brand Trump supporters or any American who does not blindly embrace the dear leader as insurrectionists and terrorists endangering the safety of the country. To honor the second anniversary of January 6th, Biden makes remarks and hands out Presidential Citizens Medals to individuals who gave televised performances before the January 6th Select Committee. The family of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick received a posthumous medal for, quote, losing his life protecting our representatives, unquote. Biden, who has difficulty telling the truth about the circumstances of his own son's death, 
shamelessly perpetuates the falsehood that Sicknick and several other police officers died as a result of January 6. In his statement, Attorney General Merrick Garland claimed five police officers died. Of course, January 6 propagandists have to lie about what happened to justify comparisons to Pearl Harbor, the Oklahoma City bombing, and 9-11. Their hope is to rally support around the new war on terror, one taking direct aim at Americans on the right. If Trump supporters are truly America's version of ISIS, as the regime and the news media insist, then no amount of funding is too much and no criminal prosecution is too excessive to defeat the sworn enemy. Any dissent, of course, is unpatriotic. It's a feat of political sorcery fueled by lies, cover-ups, and careerism not entirely unlike the first war on terror to transform an unruly four-hour protest into an act of domestic terror. American families such as the Christensen's are merely collateral damage along the way. So that is the great Julie Kelly over at amgreatness.com, article entitled January 6th, A Day That Will Live in Alchemy. Also, the great Robert Spencer, purveyor of the website Jihad Watch. He's over at PJ Media with an article entitled, Remember, There Was No Insurrection on January 6, 2021. And here's what Brother Spencer says. Old Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and the rest of the Democrat establishment spent Friday commemorating what the left would have us believe was a greater threat to our democracy than the Pearl Harbor attack or 9-11. In the face of this big lie that keeps getting bigger, it's important to remember there was actually no insurrection. There was no plan, no leader, no weapons, and no casualties except among those who entered the Capitol after the police opened the doors. President Trump, who was supposed to be the ringleader of the so-called insurrection, told the demonstrators to proceed peacefully, and two years of relentless investigations have turned up no evidence, despite breathless media reports to the contrary, that he ever wanted anyone to overthrow the government and install him as some kind of president for life. In the face of a failed post-presidency impeachment attempt, and a January 6th committee that recommended that Trump be indicted, despite the conspicuous lack of evidence that he did anything, for which he should be indicted, the leftist establishment is not backing off one bit. Instead, old Joe and his henchmen are doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down, creating a mythology of what happened on January 6, 2021, that resembles a hagiographical narrative more than a sober history. On Friday, Biden even canonized saints for this new religion, awarding the Presidential Citizens Medal to 12, 12, just like the Apostles, 12 people who supposedly held the line against the vicious insurrectionists. These 12, he declared, embody the best before, during, and after January the 6th, 2021. He claimed that, quote, 
History will remember your names. They'll remember your courage. They'll remember your bravery. They'll remember your extraordinary commitment to your fellow Americans. Unquote. Old Joe didn't say anything, of course, about Ashley Babbitt or Roseanne Boyland, Trump supporters who were actually killed that day. He did mention Capitol Police Officer William Evans, whom he claimed died due to threats by the sick insurrectionists. Wow, those must have been some strongly worded threats indeed. But the New York Times, in a Thursday recap of those who died, quote, in connection with the Capitol riot, unquote, doesn't even mention Evans. And the New York Times, as worthless and biased as it is, had very good reasons to leave him out. William Evans wasn't killed during the so-called insurrection at all. He wasn't killed by threats by the sick insurrectionists. He was, in fact, killed in April 2021, three months after the so-called insurrection, when a Nation of Islam supporter named Noah Green rammed him with his car. Biden, true to form, wasn't finished lying. Just as Jesus had 70 disciples beyond the 12 apostles, so also now Biden moved to create an outer circle of saints and martyrs for his new religion. He opined that for some who attended his bogus January 6th ceremony, the occasion was bittersweet, for the trauma was ever-widening. Quote, More than 140 law enforcement officials suffered physical injuries, and untold numbers are suffering from psychological toll of that day as well. Unquote. As old Joe himself would say, Come on, man. Mark Levin pointed out acidly on Friday, quote, More people died from the Black Lives Matter-led riots in the summer of 2020 than died on January 6th. More babies die every day from abortion on demand than died on January 6th. Unquote. What's more, the people who were actually killed on January 6th were not defending the Capitol but were among the supposed insurrectionists. So where is old Joe's concern for the psychological toll of the Black Lives Matter riots or the psychological toll of abortion on demand? Well, Biden doesn't care about any of that. And if he was fully aware of what he was reading off the teleprompter on Friday, it's unlikely that even he himself believed it. It was all just a part of his sinister authoritarian program to stigmatize, demonize, and ultimately criminalize legitimate political opposition in the United States. The real threats to our democracy are the ones who most loudly proclaim that they are intent on saving it, as in Kamala Harris's January 6th statement, quote, On January 6, 2021, American democracy endured a violent assault, armed with deadly weapons and animated by lies and hate, Insurrectionists invaded the United States Capitol in an attempt to overturn a lawful election and silence the voice of the people, unquote. No, American democracy is continuing to endure a violent assault from those who claim that what happened on January 6th constituted an, an insurrection and that, as old Joe intoned last September, quote, Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic, unquote. The threat to our republic is coming from those who would rule half of the electorate out of the bounds of acceptable discourse. That's what the left's January 6th hysteria is all about. Fascists 
advancing fascism. And the fascists aren't the MAGA Republicans. That is the great Robert Spencer, director of Jihad Watch and a Shulman Fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center, author of 26 books, including many bestsellers, such as The Politically Incorrect Guide to Islam and the Crusades, The Truth About Muhammad, and The History of Jihad. His latest books are The Critical Quran and Who Lost Afghanistan. That's an article by... Robert Spencer at PJ Media entitled, Remember, There Was No Insurrection on January 6, 2021. Now, we've got a lot of stuff for you that you probably have not heard about what actually happened on January 6, 2021 at the Capitol, including Donald Trump's thoughts about what happened at the Capitol. And that is all coming up straight away. Look, I don't need to tell you, if you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize there is such a chip shortage. You may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. The freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you, no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are here, still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental USA. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. I tell you what, we are so excited to have Mike Lindell and My Pillow as sponsors of the Doc Washburn Show. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dream bed sheets. I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins. I had no idea slippers could feel this good. I've actually worn them outside in very cold weather with no socks, and my feet didn't even get cold. And we love our My Pillow towel set. They are so luxurious. And our My Pillows, and I got to tell you. They are the most comfortable pillows we have ever slept on. Mike's passion is to support American entrepreneurs and bring manufacturing back to our country. For years, people approached Mike Lindell with great products but had no way of marketing them. MyStore.com was created to give those people a voice and a platform 
to bring you their amazing products made right here in the USA. MyStore.com has all kinds of great deals on automotive products, bath and beauty, books and video, clothing, decor items, food and drink, garden and patio, health, home improvement, household essentials, kitchen and dining, personal care, sports and outdoors, toys and games, and so much more. Plus, right now, you can save up to 50% on Giza Dream Sheet sets. Get them for as little as $29.98 by using the promo code DWS. And in this new year, some of Mike's items are marked down up to 80% off if you make sure to use that promo code DWS. Now remember, this promo code does not stand for the washed-up Democrat politician from South Florida named Debbie Washerman Schultz. No, 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 no. Promo code DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. Make sure to use that promo code no matter what you buy at MyPillow.com and MyStore.com. All right, fantastic. Now, let us move on. we got a lot more to tell you about January 6th, starting with Taylor Hansen, who I have interviewed before on the Doc Washburn Show. And here's what he was saying on Twitter on January 6th. He said, three years ago, at 2.44 p.m., I watched an unarmed woman, Ashley Babbitt, get shot and killed in front of me. He said, this single-handedly changed my life forever. Even though it's been three years, he corrected that. Even though it's been two years, it feels like it was just yesterday. The January 6th committee refused to speak with me. He said, January 6, 2021, started like any other day of reporting. I woke up early and planned to conduct interviews and to document what was taking place. I anticipated violence from left-wing groups due to the pattern I had seen emerge at prior Trump rallies once it got dark. He said, around 12.20 p.m., I heard someone gathering a group to head to the Capitol. Trump was still speaking, so I found it odd, so naturally I followed. Later on, I would find out this was Ray Epps, as well as other key actors. Now, the ellipse is 1.6 miles away from the Capitol. It takes around 30 to 33 minutes to walk from one to the other. Trump began addressing the crowd at 11.58 a.m., and made his final remarks at 1.12 p.m. Capitol grounds were breached 19 minutes before Trump's speech concluded. I arrived outside the Capitol at 12.50 p.m. Within three minutes, the initial barrier, which had under seven officers standing post, was overwhelmed. The second barrier went down within the same minute. This time it was Ray Epps, who visibly spoke to Ryan Samsell and others right before. For a while, all was calm and peaceful. 
Then a concussion grenade was thrown deep into what was a peaceful crowd. This caused an eruption within the crowd. The crowd surged due to those in the back, not understanding what was happening, pushing others forward consistently. For over an hour, a continuous barrage of concussion grenades, tear gas, pepper spray, and other crowd munitions were deployed on the crowd. This affected thousands of people, most of whom had no idea what was going on and had not been violent at all. He said, I was hit by multiple rubber munitions and maced into absolute oblivion, even while wearing visible press credentials. The police were ten times more aggressive than I have ever seen at any riot I had covered in 2020. For over an hour, this went on. During this barrage, Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips both suffered fatal heart attacks from the munitions being thrown. Munitions were not authorized to be used on January 6th. People were on fire and had holes blown in them at this point. He said, here's the moment I had to put out a man that was on fire after the U.S. Capitol Police bombarded the crowd with explosive munitions. In under 30 seconds, over four munitions were thrown into a peaceful crowd. Everything the media and establishment is telling you about January 6th is a lie. So let me see if I can find that. I need to uh, I need to play that for you, that audio. Capitol Hill police fire at peaceful protesters. And I had to, to bleep out a couple of cuss words, but here it is. Have you heard about that before? Did you have any idea that Capitol Hill police were shooting projectiles into what was a peaceful crowd to start out with? I didn't think so. Taylor Hansen continues, after an officer pushed Derek Vargo off of the inaugural stairs, breaking his legs, the officer taunted the crowd below who were visibly upset. This caused a crowd to surge up the staircase, which eventually arrived at the western doors of the Capitol. The police then stood back and watched as people broke windows with a two-by-four and riot shield. Those who broke the windows of the Capitol on the west side were initially placed on an FBI wanted list only to be taken off the FBI wanted list. They, of course, have not been charged. Once inside the building, it was a weird scene, people wandering aimlessly, not really understanding where to go or what to do. Almost everyone had their phones out and were recording. Many were singing songs and chanting, Stop the Steal. He says, I eventually followed the line of people up a spiral staircase, which led me to a rotunda. There was a small line of police present initially, and it quickly took a turn. Tear gas was deployed, 
and a few people within the crowd began pushing the officers back. The rotunda quickly became jam-packed with people, like outside. There was what I would describe as a crowd surge. People in the back pushing so those in the front had no choice but to advance. I saw multiple people escort police forward so they did not get caught in the surge. Eventually, I ended up outside the speaker's door alongside the Q shaman. That must have been the guy that uh, had the... uh, the horns in the in the furry jacket, alongside the Q shaman, podium man, and others. This is where police negotiated on video with the crowd, claiming that if protesters remained calm and peaceful, they would be allowed to sit in on the session. Obviously, this was not the case, but it was tried anyway. This calmed the crowd quite a bit for a few minutes until Zachary Alam and a few other people in the crowd began to scream and get loud. At this point, only about three officers were standing in front of the lobby. Officers moved, and that's when a large crowd formed against the door of the speaker's chamber. After minutes of nothing happening, I noticed Ashley Babbitt walking left, so I followed her. I walked down the hallway behind her and turned left into a room where a large portrait of George Washington was hanging. This was the room seen on John Sullivan's stream where he broke the window. I turned around and walked straight out of the room, once again seeing Ashley Babbitt and deciding to follow her. She was on her phone and didn't seem to know where she was either. At this point, Ashley and I were walking side by side, and we passed a calm sergeant-at-arms employee who was on his phone. I asked him how he was doing. He said, good. Ashley and I were the first to arrive at the doors in the speaker's hallway. I offered Officer Yetter water. Ashley talked with the officers briefly. Then the room began to fill up quickly. John Sullivan reached the front of the crowd by telling others he had a knife. Zachary Alam became erratic and started breaking windows. This is where everything really took a turn. Something that is extremely unreported about those moments is the fact that Ashley Babbitt tried to physically stop Zachary Alam after the officer standing in front of the doors shifted over. She physically grabbed him, pulled him, and landed a punch in an attempt to stop him from breaking windows. Ashley Babbitt did not break anything. She tried to stop those attacking the barriers multiple times. To this day, I wish I could have done more after she was shot. Anyone who has seen someone die in a violent manner understands this. The CERT team was entering the room at that moment. Michael Bird claims he shot Ashley Babbitt because CERT had not arrived. They were present in the room and were moving forward to de-escalate, though. They did not feel the need to shoot anyone or to resort to violence. Michael Byrd became trigger-happy and shot an unarmed woman posing no threat. What I witnessed on January 6th was government-sanctioned murder. The media immediately reported inaccurately on what happened and spun a false narrative labeling Ashley Babbitt a terrorist. No real investigation 
was made into Michael Byrd. Instead, he profited over $164,000 from killing Ashley Babbitt. The committee refused to talk to me, even though I offered testimony and video. Adam Kinzinger and others did not seriously investigate what took place. Instead, he donated to Michael Byrd's GoFundMe account. My prayers are with those affected by violence on the anniversary of January 6th. Wow. That is uh, Taylor Hansen. He is uh, he's quite the independent journalist. And it was an honor to, uh, to have interviewed him. Now, still coming up, what President Trump had to say recently to Darren J. Beatty at Revolver News about January 6th. First, though, independent journalist Stephen Horn, who is working on a documentary about January 6th, The Breach of the Capitol by the Minute, 1253, riot begins as Ryan Samsell and James Grant push aside barricades to approach the police guarding the Northwest Pass, the Northwest Path from the Peace Circle to the Capitol. Trump is still speaking at this point. 1255. And and all these guys have embedded video in here that I'm not playing for you because it's mostly just noise. 1255. The police guarding the path are quickly overwhelmed and retreat as the crowd begins crossing the fence line all across the western edge of Capitol grounds. As we can see from the camera movement in the previous video, Capitol Police are actively surveilling the situation using their high-tech security system. 1259, as the better-equipped Civil Disturbance Unit reinforcements began arriving, the Capitol Police are able to stabilize a line across the plaza between the two massive staircases on the west side of the Capitol. 1311, of course we're doing military time here. 1311, first detachment of Metropolitan Police arrived to reinforce the Capitol Police line, seen in the background descending the southwest staircase. 1320, police began deploying flashbangs into the crowd, startling even the police on the front lines. 1334, the continued use of flashbangs in this area over the next hour doesn't appear to have much of an effect and dispersing the crowd, but they do appear to have amped up the crowd by setting people on fire. 1348. The West Plaza police line begins to be outflanked up the northwest staircase after an officer starts a fight with an apparently peaceful protester. And they show this. 1402. The same Capitol Police officer severely injures a protester by pushing him off the middle landing of the northwest staircase, a two- to three-story drop. The man has now identified himself as Derek Vargo. 1409, shortly after Vargo is carried off on an improvised stretcher, the police retreat to the top of the northwest staircase 
as people throw objects from the ground below. 1410. The retreating police only remained at the top of the staircase for a brief minute before scattering, allowing rioters to access multiple unguarded doors, including the Senate wing door. 1412. A handful of officers arrive just as the first rioter climbs through a busted-out window by the Senate wing door, but they quickly flee, and the rioters are able to kick open the door unmolested. 1424. People who entered through this first breach, including George Tenney and the others who helped open the East Rotunda Columbus doors from the inside. 1433. Police open the West Terrace doors from the inside to encourage Senate wing door entrance to exit, though they eventually allow 300 more people to enter instead. This sequence of significant events is the backbone of the documentary I'm working on. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, this is um, this is some strong stuff going on here. But I've got more. I've got more coming up. Look, I've been telling you how the world's going crazy. With supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, and sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in, we all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic, while so many little guys, small business owners, regular people, were forced to close. The wealthiest people on earth became better off. While mom-and-pop business, businesses suffered, the question is, what are we willing to do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars, Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally, we can shop Factory Direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. SwitchToAmerica.com is helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created, with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of Patriot influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow Patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big, woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We're done with a woke, globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. The website is switchtoamerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When it asks you how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. SwitchToAmerica.com. 
All right, now let me tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo? How about problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you, even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away. It has never come back. I also had pretty bad migraines all through the year. When I got my atlas adjusted, they went away, and they never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside Central Arkansas, just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You, and I sure hope you can. Now, let me tell you how you might be able to save money, serious money, on your monthly cell phone bill while doing a wonderful thing. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes of support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. All you have to do is go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Now make sure you use the promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Patriot Mobile also now offers competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. If you're a conservative-owned business tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars go to corporate woke agendas, switch to Patriot Mobile Business. Find out all you need to know at business.patriotmobile.com or just call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. Of course, use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or call 469-FREEDOM. All right, now, next, I want to share with you some more stuff here. A guy named Mark Pukita, who ran for U.S. Senate in Ohio 
in 2022, and he founded the Grassroots Freedom Initiative. He has some clips from a three-part special that Tucker Carlson did about what really happened on January 6th on Fox Nation. And I don't know if you heard about this. It's called Patriot Purge. I don't know if you've heard about this, but when Tucker debuted this Patriot Purge three-part series on Fox Nation, none other than Chris Wallace, who was still at Fox at the time, and Brett Baer both went to the CEO of Fox News and complained about it. And when the CEO of Fox News wouldn't take it down, Chris Wallace left Fox News, but Brett Baer is still there. Unfortunately. All right, let's start off with this. Mark Pukita says, It distresses me. So many Americans believe the dishonest narratives still being promulgated by mainstream media about January 6th. One of the worst was a Capitol Police officer, Brian Sicknick, was beaten to death by protesters. A lie never corrected, just ignored. And here it is. Darren Beatty of Revolver News is one of the few in media who's done real reporting on what actually happened on January 6th. The establishment narrative. The worst single act of political violence since the Civil War. Donald Trump supporters killing police officers. Was MAGA blood libel. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the hours-long attack. They beat a Capitol Police officer to death with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head head with a fire extinguisher during the fight. He died at the age of 42 after he was bludgeoned the fire extinguisher. A rioter hit Officer Sicknick in the head with a fire extinguisher. Hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. As Darren J. Beatty of Revolver.News said, it's blood libel. Why? Because it never happened. MSNBC, CNN, all these people said But it never happened. Okay, next. Mark Pukita says, Just as distressing as that video and testimony evidence exists to dispute mainstream media lies, however, because of social media censorship, it hasn't been possible to communicate the truth to all Americans. Tucker Carlson did a three-part special documentary called Patriot Purge, Previous to Twitter being opened up to freer speech, the only way to view Patriot Purge was to watch it on the Fox Nation app. Every other social media platform would suppress it. I encourage you to watch the whole series by posting clips from it here to promote it. He said we need to teach less informed Americans where to go to find truth or serve it up to them to make it simple for them to access In my humble opinion, it's imperative we do this as quickly as possible as we have no idea how long we'll be able to count on Twitter as a freer speech platform. He says, this is how the mainstream media does it. They lie in hit-and-run fashion, get caught, don't apologize or pay any price, and then move on to the next lie. 
Brian Sicknick's story is a textbook example of this. The New York Times has quietly retracted its story about the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. There was no, no such thing. There was no fire extinguisher involved at all. And the paper is backpedaling, admitting that it's possible he was never even hit at all. New York Times retracted the story. They moved to a different story. Cater is seen spraying bear spray into the face of Officer Brian Sicknick. It was bear spray. It was bear spray that killed Officer Sicknick. Revolver News found the video shows no spray coming out of the container. It's a lie. Sure enough, eventually, the media admits Revolver.News is right. The D.C. medical examiner today ruled that Capitol Hill police officer Brian Sicknick died of natural causes. Officer Sicknick died of natural causes. He did not die at the hands of the MAGA mom, and yet you still see in the mainstream media this reporting that it was a deadly mob. A murderous mob. A murderous mob. A murderous mob. Deadly January 6th attack on the Capitol by a mob of Trump supporters. They got the word deadly from this false reporting on Sicknick. It was a blood libel and again, the national security state was operationalized on the basis of that narrative. And Biden of course continues to tell the same lie. Absolutely. Mark Pukita continues with posts about why what the mainstream media and big tech does is so dangerous to average Americans. He says, Democrats in collusion with the mainstream media love to play the wrap-up smear game. I'll let Nancy Pelosi explain it, and then we'll take a look at how it's been used to lie and deceive about January 6th. So here is Nancy Pelosi. Now, of course, she is claiming this is what the Republicans do, but see, they always claim that you're doing what they actually do. Called the wrap-up smear. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest, and then you merchandise it. And then you write it, and they'll say, see, it's reported in the press that this, 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 and this. So they have that validation that the press reported the smear, and then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm going to merchandise the press's report on the smear that we made. And it's, it's a tactic, and it's, it's, it's self-evident. But I think I'm worth the trouble, quite frankly. Yeah. So she's claiming the Republicans do what she does. Next, Democrats did exactly as Pelosi explained with January 6th. He says, again, I'm using a clip from Tucker Carlson's Patriot Purge. Watch how they merchandised lies about the Stop the Steal organization to hoodwink Americans and ruin lives. Now, you're going to hear the voice of a guy named Ali Alexander, who happens who happens to be black. His dad was an Arab, and his mom was black. So when you meet this guy, I mean, you're like, oh, okay, well, here's an African-American, black, whatever people of that skin tone call themselves, which makes what was 
alleged about him so ludicrous. Just as non-existent weapons of mass destruction were used to justify violence in the first war on terror, a false news story published by the New York Times became the pretext for a national crackdown. Ali Alexander organized the January 6th rally. After 9-11, I spent my early adulthood growing up in a post-9-11 world with an Arab name. It's open season on hate towards Muslims and Islam. At one point in 2012, I had to have a member of Congress call the FBI to get me removed from a watch list. And now, in this post-1-6 world, I'm on a list yet again because I've been deemed a minority in dissent. We are now hearing from the man who organized last week's rally that turned into a deadly insurrection. I know what it's like to grow up in America and post-9-11 as Arab, and I know what it's like to grow up post-January 6th as a Trump supporter who demanded a election integrity. Ali Alexander was trying to build a movement of people until it was a rhetorical gun cocked and pointed at Congress. The vanguard of delusion, of anti-democratic, you know, attempt at a pooch uh, that represented by Stop the Steal. My life has been torn apart. I regularly receive uh, violent death threats. It has prevented me from returning to my work. I lost all of my social media and any ability to engage in commerce online. Aaron, remember, the Department of Justice says not only is it investigating what happened inside the Capitol, but the conspirators and instigators who may have started this whole thing. Now, when he says with an Arab name, his name used to be Ali Akbar, which he couldn't help because his dad's last name was Akbar. What are you going to do? Well, what he eventually had to do was change his last name to Alexander. But anyway, uh, Mark Pukita continues. He says, only in Joe 10% for the big guy, Biden's America, can a black man be white, a peaceful issues-based organization be labeled white supremacist, and lives ruined so elected idiots like Biden, Pelosi, and Schumer can retain power and control. And, of course, none of us believe that Biden was actually elected president, but you uh, you get the idea. Okay, here's the, uh, here's the next cut. Now, this is, by the way, an interesting clip for two reasons. One, pay close attention to timing and location. Second, see if you can spot Ray Epps. And, yes, I did. I definitely, definitely spotted Ray Epps in this thing. I made a very executive decision uh, that we were going to descend on um, D.C. In, uh, on the 6th. And we have several members of Congress on this call and uh, state legislators. I consulted members of Congress. They felt like this would add pressure to make sure that our voices were counted. You know, we knew it was a losing fight, um, but we still believe in miracles. And we wanted to know, well, who are the Republicans who need to be primaried and who doesn't? So the Republican Party, I just want them to hear this message. Look at this crowd. We are the people that you must represent or we're going to replace you with patriots. So that's what January the 6th was all about. It was just about making sure that if you called yourself a conservative, that you stood with the conservative movement. And um, unfortunately, uh, it spiraled out of control. 
Uh, we coordinated with the U.S. Capitol Police nearly every day. A lot of people don't know that Stop the Steal actually had a permit on the Capitol grounds, so not the Capitol itself and not the Capitol Plaza, the, the Capitol grounds, Lot 8. We had a permit. So you let's just imagine this. 20 to 50,000 people inside the President's Park. We're sitting there at the very front. I'm dead center of the president, front row. A Trump campaign staffer walks up to me and says, you know, I'll leave. There are people leaving the overflow. And there are already tens of thousands of people at the U.S. Capitol. With your presence and the presence of Alex Jones, why don't you guys walk down Pennsylvania, gather people together. We're coming for creatures! And then position them for your rally on Lot 8. I wasn't at the Capitol when it descended into chaos. And uh, that's only by God's grace because I was scheduled to be there. Secret Service let us out at a point where we would have been there when the first punch was thrown. And that's strange. The only reason that we weren't there is because we stopped and gave an impromptu speech. Wow. The only reason we weren't there it's because we stopped and gave an impromptu speech. Good grief. Mark Pukita continues, there is nothing in these clips that would indicate anything other than a desire to peacefully object to the 2020 election. All right. So we got the next clip. I get a, a text from the campaign that you should get there and de-escalate because things are not going well. So we started to approach the side of the Capitol where no protests had happened in November, no protests had happened in December. All I thought was, I need to get them to the other side, and I need to get them to Lot 8. Let's march around to the other side! Uh, and all we have are equipped with are, are megaphones. Yeah, let's not fight the police and get the system what they want! Maybe a thousand people are listening to us. Come off the stands! And 75 to 100,000 people there in front of us. And it was a very helpless feeling. We need to not have the conversation with the police. They're going to make that the story. Goodness gracious. Out of control. Which clearly was not their plan. It's um it's outrageous. Like I told you earlier. Like I told you earlier, it wasn't an insurrection. All these gun owners, they, they didn't take their guns. It was a fedsurrection. It was a setup. Now, did you hear what happened on Friday, January 6, 2023, on the second anniversary? Um, Ashley Babbitt's mother was trying to memorialize her daughter, and she was arrested. Here she is that evening with Rob Schmidt on Newsmax. God bless Rob Schmidt for having her on. 
Uh, it was our plan to go lace flowers on the steps of the Capitol for the four people, unarmed American citizens, that lost their lives that day. That would be my daughter, Ashley Babbitt, Roseanne Boylan, who was beaten by a Metropolitan Police Officer, Lila Morris, Kevin Greeson, and Benjamin Phillips all lost their lives that day as unarmed American patriots. So we wanted to lay flowers on the steps of the Capitol. They were letting people in. They had it all barricaded off. They were letting people in, but they would not let us in with our signs and and, uh, and our flags. And, and so we we opted to walk down the street that was already closed off. So we laid flowers on the east side. I don't, I'm not sure which side. But, and then when we went to go turn the corner, there was no sidewalk for us to walk on. There were other um, citizens walking on that sidewalk, but we were not allowed to because we had uh, American flags at the United States Capitol. So um, we we walked down the road as because we had no sidewalk to walk on, and our option was to cross four lanes of traffic and walk on the other side, where I also would not have been able to honor my daughter by laying a rose for her uh, around the Capitol building. And so we walked down the road, and I was arrested aggressively by one, uh, that man right there, yeah, the one right there, the um, tall, bald man. He was yep. very aggressive. I put yep. my hands behind my back, and that's when he started yanking me around. And then I was uh, placed under arrest for um, failure to obey and obstructing the roadway. Of a road to the Capitol that had already been closed. They arrest her on the second anniversary of when one of their own killed her daughter. Uh, it's just, it's just outrageous. All right, I said I was going to uh, play you some of what President Trump is saying these days. If you listen to the Doc Washington show for a while, you may remember I have told you about Darren J. Beatty's news operation, Revolver News. He's broken a lot of news about Ray Epps, one of the feds who now admits he organized January 6th. And of course, Ray Epps never going to be indicted for that. Well, Darren J. Beatty recently interviewed President Trump about what happened January 6th, about the rigging of the 2020 election and other related issues like big tech censorship. But nobody is reporting on his interview with President Trump. So I owe it to you. First of all, I believe we all owe a debt of gratitude to Darren J. Beatty and Revolver News. So I will even mention... His sponsor is American Hartford Gold, even though they're not my sponsor. So check out American Hartford Gold. They're supporting the great work, the irreplaceable work of Darren J. Beatty and Revolver.News. So Mr. Beatty starts out saying, you had a recent free speech policy announcement, which I think is one of the most learned and important statements on big tech censorship I've ever heard from, a, from an elected official. And I especially love how you call out the national security community's abuse of the term disinformation as a pretext for censorship. Did it surprise you to learn the extent to which the intelligence agencies played a decisive role 
and pressuring big tech companies like Twitter to censor your speech and the political speech of American citizens. Well, to censor my speech and to make it so that Biden only had good news coming out, which is incredible because, you know, the laptop from hell was a disaster for them. And nobody had ever seen this before. I I had noticed that anything having to do with the laptop or anything having to do with the election, first time anyone has ever seen it to this extent, the word wasn't getting out. And I said, that's weird. It's really strange. Uh, And a lot of times people were censored were things seemingly unrelated. But if there was even a little relationship to the election, they wouldn't get out. And I was noticing that. But who could have believed? it was the FBI and it was the government of the United States doing it. And one thing that was shown there is that the election was rigged and stolen because, you know, it's interesting when uh, 2,000 mules came out where they have, you know, nothing but tapes of people stuffing ballot boxes. You know, I mean, in all fairness, they have tapes of it, thousands of of, uh, of feet of, of tapes and, you know, all sorts of terrible things, you know, looking up at the cameras, putting on gloves before they voted after some got caught. Uh, it, and that made an impact. But this this whole FBI thing has tenfold made an impact. People that aren't into it like you would be or I would be, people are, you know, they, they don't know that much about They're saying, wow, you know, you're right. The election was rigged and stolen. And it was stolen by the government of the United States through the FBI. And that's pretty amazing when you think. It's had a much bigger impact than anything I've seen. People that really didn't know too much, they're saying, you know, you were right. That election was sold. It just hit a spot. Like, number seven, they actually paid him $3.5 million or something. I mean, it was actually, they actually paid, they actually paid Twitter $3.5 million. The FBI, the government, and that's only the money you know about. It. How much money? Yes. How much money did they pay? I guarantee I mean, it's a lot more. You know. Than so, Darren J. Beatty responds to President Trump. He says, "You know, in many ways, I would say not only was the 2020 election stolen, but in some critical ways, it seems like 2016 was also stolen because you did so many amazing things." But we're learning about how the intelligence communities just did everything they could to stop you at every turn. And it's really outrageous. They almost got me. You're right. They almost they got almost, you. Well, they spied on my campaign. They yeah. spied on the campaign, and that we got. Do you remember when I made the statement? Because I was seeing weird things. I said, you know, I think we're being spied on. I think Obama is spying on my campaign. And do you remember when that hit? It was the biggest story. It was one of the biggest tweets I've ever put out, to be honest. I, th- I just said it innocently on a Saturday morning. And I got a call five minutes later from the head of comms saying, Sir, did you make a thing? Because the lines are burning down. Remember that? And you know why? Because they were guilty and they knew it and they said they got caught. But they spied on my campaign. How about if, if somebody spied on a Democrat's or an Obama's campaign, as an example? I mean, it would have been it would have been the death penalty. Wow. Hard to argue with that. So. Darren J. Beatty responds, you clearly touched a nerve with that. And I would like to ask you about the highly corrupt January 6th committee. 
So I'm sure you saw they recently recommended criminal charges against you in relation to January 6th, including the charge of incitement, despite the fact that you simply told the crowd, go to the Capitol peacefully and patriotically. They call that incitement. Meanwhile, the January 6th committee defends a now infamous man called Ray Epps, who remains mysteriously unindicted despite being seen on video repeatedly telling people to go into the Capitol, and you bravely praise Revolver News's work on the federal government's likely role in the January 6th operation, do you think the full extent of this federal involvement will ever come to light? And why are most Republicans scared to death to even touch this issue. Well, they're afraid. Bill Barr was afraid. He thought he was going to be impeached, and he was afraid. And, you know, I understand that, but you can't be afraid. You can't take those positions if you're going to be afraid. He was afraid to go into the election corruption because he didn't want to be impeached. If you look at him six months earlier, he was saying very bad things about mail-in ballots and everything else, and then all of a sudden he got scared. And he was frightened, I could tell it. You know, I watch him on television now, and he talks like, well, he sits back and he talks. He was, he was, you know, you can't have an attorney general that's afraid of that stuff because it was a corrupt election and somebody has to do something about it. But, uh, you know, you're right about Epps. People are saying, I've seen enough tape where he is just standing there. One of the classics was some guy screaming, I think he's a fed. I think he's a fed. It's like they're looking at, at this guy, this, you know, this big, tall guy who's screaming orders to people, go in, go into the Capitol, go in. And nothing ever happened, and yet people that were barely there, people that never even went in, are being their lives are being destroyed. It's a terrible, terrible thing. It's never happened in our country before that we know of, certainly, but it's never happened in our country before. And when you look at what's happened to these people compared to what's happened to, to the people that burned down Portland and, and took over Seattle, they took over a major portion of the city, you know, a big yeah. chunk of the city. And until I sent in the troops, until they, you know, we were we were sending in the troops the following day, and they knew that we let them know it. Uh, but until they heard that, they left right away as soon as I did that. And I didn't really possibly have the right to do it. You know, the the governors are supposed to call for that, but this governor would have never called. They would have taken over. That's it. They'd still be there. And right. the same thing in uh, you know Minneapolis. When you look at the damage and the destruction and the death that they caused, and nothing happened to those people. It's really, and they, and you know, they went after the courthouse. They went after every the federal courthouse. They went after everything, and nothing happened to them. In fact, the opposite. Right. They were, if you look at Kamala Harris, she was bailing people out. Right, she was and raising you know, money to time, bail people out. So at this point, Darren J. Beatty responds. You, you heard him start to respond there, right, right at the end. He responds. Right, and at the time, we were criticizing Barr very strongly because it didn't seem like Barr was interested in going after Antifa with any kind of seriousness. He was afraid because he thought the consequences to him. It's it, he was he had he did not have courage. I want to be respectful. He did not have courage. You know, the uh, U.S. Attorney in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Uh, wanted to go after Philadelphia because it was very corrupt, and he was unable to do it because Barr was afraid he was going to be impeached. 
he didn't do it for his own personal. I said, I got impeached twice. It's not so bad. Go ahead and do it. My phone numbers actually went up. But he, uh, he, was, he was petrified of that. You know, you don't hear those stories. I tell you, and I tell Revolver. I have a lot of respect for Revolver. I, I think you. they've done a, a great job. You, you tread you. on territory that nobody else wants to touch, even though it's very possible. I mean, it's yeah. stuff that people want to hear about. Wow. I'm, I'm, it's an honor to be able to play you this stuff because, I mean, it should be big news anytime former President Trump is being interviewed. But I bet you haven't heard this anywhere, have you? So Darren J. Beatty responds, we get a lot of incoming. In other words, a lot of negative response. He says, particularly our coverage of January 6th and what a lie it is because it's being used to smear so many good people, including yourself, but so many other good people. And it's just a shame to see it. You're right about that, though. It is being used to smear people. You know, they asked me to make a speech, and I made a speech. And you know, I, as I remember it, because that wasn't set up by me. That was a, a thing that was set up by, I think, a lot of women's groups, actually. Hmm. A lot of women's groups set that up. And now, you know, they're making it sound like, you know, the the worst people on earth set it up. A lot of very good people were involved. And that was about right. the election, the rigged and stolen election. That's why right. so many people went. You know the other thing they don't cover? How many people were there? I've spoken in front of the biggest crowds. That was the biggest crowd I ever spoke in front of. You never see pictures of that. They only show yeah. you the pictures of the Capitol. They never show you, like, helicopter shots of the, the amount of people that were there. It was it was massive. I think it, it was bigger than... I think it was bigger than inaugurations. I, I've never, sp- I, I don't believe I've ever spoken in front of a bigger crowd than that. And you never see that. You know, that tiny percentage of people went down to the Capitol compared to right. the overall crowd. But do you ever notice you never see the pictures of that? Very good point. So, Darren J. Beatty responds and he says, Right. No, it's amazing. And incidentally, about Ray Epps. Epps traveled to D.C. all the way from Arizona, and he didn't even attend your speech. He's wearing a Trump hat, but he didn't even attend your speech. And at this point, Trump actually breaks in and says this. No, no. Well, and then they have another guy named Sullivan. Sullivan, who's the head of, I think, either BLM or Antifa, and he was telling people how to act, how to this, how to that, and I saw tapes on it, and now you don't see tapes on it anymore. But, you know, there were tapes on this guy. I remember the name was Sullivan, and he was preaching to people about, you put a red hat on, and you do this, and you do that, and he was saying all sorts of bad stuff. And... Then they tried to say he was a reporter or something for CNN. You know, that got him out. Right. Uh, but, but if you remember him, he was dead. You know, there's a lot of tape on him. All right. So clearly, Darren J. Beatty has seen the, the tape on this Sullivan Antifa guy. And he says, I've seen it. 
And there's also a guy they call Scaffold Commander who's there from the very beginning. He's cutting the fences so people can get in. He gets up on the scaffold telling people to go in. He says the January 6th committee hasn't said a word about this individual. Okay, now I, Doc Washburn, want to digress here for just a minute. I think I may know who that scaffold commander guy is. Now, Darren J. Beatty recently told Glenn Beck that he pulled out all the stops to try to identify the January 6th rioter scaffold commander, but found nothing. He said if his identity is actually uncovered, it's going to be one of the biggest scandals in the country. So, since I think I may have stumbled across this guy's identity, I sent Darren J. Beatty uh, a DM on Twitter. It's like a private message on Facebook, but Twitter calls it a direct message instead of a private message. So it's a DM instead of a PM. Anyway, I sent Darren J. Beatty a DM because I think I may have stumbled upon the identity of this guy. So I would appreciate it if you would pray that he actually sees what I sent him. I'm sure he gets so many messages on Twitter. There's no way in the world he has time to see all of them. I mean, I'm sure I get more than a 1,000 private messages on Facebook every month. But I haven't had a chance to check my Facebook messages in months, and I'm sure there are people who are very upset with me for ignoring them, and, and I'm sorry, but I just I, I don't ever have a chance to look at private messages on Facebook. Okay, anyway, let's get back to Darren J. Beatty's interview with Donald Trump over at Revolver News. They don't do that. They don't talk about the fact that I, because everybody was telling me, I didn't know too much about what was going to go on. I had to make a speech. But everybody was telling me it was going to be, you know, that they were going to be there. It was going to be big. And I suggested 10,000 soldiers or more. Right. And Nancy Pelosi didn't want to do it. And I think the mayor didn't want to do it. I know the mayor didn't want it. I think she put it in writing. But they didn't want to do it. But if they did it, you know, on the fourth, on the third, we suggested it three days before, and they didn't want to do it. Now, they wouldn't talk about that because you wouldn't have had a January 6th if that took place, right? right? If you had, if you even had 500 soldiers, you wouldn't have had. Because right. relatively speaking, that was not a big crowd of people compared to the people that were listening to the speech, okay? You know, be, right. compared to the people that were at the speech, which was a little ways away. But that's one thing they don't talk about. The other thing they wouldn't talk about was the rigged election, which is the reason everybody went there. They right. didn't spend one minute talking about... As an example now, the FBI rigging the election. Because the FBI, you know, if, if if you go by there, because we did much better in the second election than we did in the first, okay, much better than 2016. But if you go to look at the numbers, they even said I only lost by 32,000 votes. Now, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at all the corruption and everything else, I won by a lot. But they, even, but they agree that millions of votes were disrupted by the FBI and by uh, Twitter. Millions of right. and we haven't. Yeah. You haven't gotten into Facebook yet, and you haven't gotten into what they did with uh, probably Amazon and everybody else. When you see that, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it makes it makes Twitter look like and I lost by and I lost by yeah, and I lost by thirty two thousand votes according to them. I won. I, even with all of that, I won the election. But they say I lost by thirty two thousand votes. Think of it. So millions of votes were just on this one. The, you, know, you saw the pollsters where they said seventeen percent of those people right. wouldn't have voted for Biden. That's millions of votes. So you know, it's a very sad thing. Very very it sad. Is. And so, Darren Beatty responds. He says, it is sad, and it's interesting how all these scams are connected. The Fed surrection hoax, the whole purpose of it is to make anyone who questions the election into to cast them as a national security threat, to make it impossible for people to organize under that cause. So here is Trump's response. They're afraid to organize, and, and yep. the way they're torturing these people, I mean, to, to have shot that young lady and to try and make a hero out of that cop, that thug that shot her through the, you know, it's just horrible. For him to have shot that young lady, uh, Ashley Babbitt, was, is just, uh, just disgraceful, just disgraceful that that happened. Who is it? The person that died, you know, they'd like to say other people, the other people didn't die, but a lot of people died in Portland and Seattle and other places, Right. you know, a lot of people, and they don't talk about that. It is two tiers of justice, there's no question about it, very, very sad, very dangerous, and people are very angry, I will say that, they're very angry. Wow. Yeah, and, and, and rightly so. Rightly so. So, Darren J. Beatty responds to him saying, and you know, it's like I said, it's very sad that not everyone has your courage and very few people, you're leading the charge. We have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and others who are drawing attention to this, but I just really wish more Republicans would step up to the plate and have the courage to actually talk about this issue. Well, you've got guys like Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is such a disaster for the Republican Party and for the country. And, you know, he keeps the senators down. He gives them money. You know, he raises money. That's the only power he's got. He raises money, gives them money, and then he has control. But but, uh, he's a disaster for the party. He's a disaster. You know, they're changing, as you know, the Electoral Vote Act, right? And if you remember, they said the vice president has absolutely no choice. Even if the votes are fraudulent, he has to send the votes to, you know, the old crow, Mitch McConnell, right? He has no choice. But then I say, why are they changing the law if he had no choice? They're changing it because they found out that he did have a choice. You understand? So they're changing the law. They said he had no choice. And in retrospect, he should have sent him back. He should have sent him back. Right. Because I don't think those legislatures would have, many of them would have approved. You know, by that time they were starting to see what took place, what really took place. Now, looking back at it, you know, two years later, it's it's really been corrupt. And now you add the FBI scandal. Does it make sense, Darren, that the FBI scandal seems to be almost bigger than anything else having to do with a corrupt election? Does that make sense to you? So at this point, Darren J. Beatty responds, and he says, that is incredible, and it really does speak to this common thread throughout all these problems, the Russiagate hoax, big tech censorship, 
the Fedsurrection, the national security state, which is opposed to the American people. They are the enemy of the people. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible. That was a that was a term I came up with. The enemy of the people. I don't, did I do I get credit for that one or not? Because I know. Oh yeah, huh? that was one of your best. One of the enemy your enemy. <laughs> The fake news, the enemy of the people. We've had some beauties, right? But uh, it's, it would be great if the Republicans would do something about it because they just Absolutely. got so many of them. Absolutely. Mitch McConnell is such a disaster. Yeah, in his position. How, Could you imagine Schumer with? accepting the results? Think of it. Could you imagine Schumer accepting those results? You know, no. It's no. like, it's unbelievable. But one of those. No. Things. Go ahead. Yeah, it's unbelievable. All right. So Darren J. Beatty, at this point, responds saying McConnell has no popular support. So I don't, so I don't understand how someone like that remains in power. People like McConnell and Paul Ryan and others are cut from the same cloth, and nobody likes him. Well, I understand how he retains power because the lobbyists like him. But anyway. Trump response. They're worse than rhinos in a way. You know, it's interesting. Um, McConnell was losing his election. He came to see me. What I wish I would have done, you know, he was very nice. It's hard when they're very nice to you for two years. You know, they work on it hard because he needed my support in Kentucky. Right. They like me a lot. So, uh, you know, for two years. So I didn't run anybody in the primary. If I would have, I would have won because they hate him in Kentucky. Now they really hate him, but he could never... But, but he asked my support, and I gave him the endorsement. And when I gave him the endorsement, he went up 21 points. And that was because he was losing to Amy McGrath. She had $93 million. She was ready to beat him. She was up by three, and he came for help. I gave him the help, and then he... Uh, he, I think if he, if he had the votes, I think he would have voted to impeach. You want to know the truth. Wow. So Darren J. Beatty responds, yep, absolutely. Please don't do that again. When you're president again and Mitch McConnell comes crawling on his knees, begging for your support, uh, Darren J. Beatty tells Trump to... Uh, Tell McConnell to go to a very unpleasant place. No, I will do that. And some others, too. But I will do that definitely with him. <laughs> so and there are a couple um, of others out there. I see. So, Darren J. Beatty says, So we have this common thread of the intelligence community remaining this key impediment to political progress and there's a recent story by Tucker Carlson that even suggests likely CIA involvement in the JFK assassination, indicating that the rot goes back very far, very deep, and many have suggested a congressional investigation of abuses by intel agencies, hearkening back to something called the Church Committee hearings of 1975. Would you support such a kind of comprehensive investigation public hearings, church-style investigation of intel community abuse. Here's Trump's answer. 
Well, I would, but I think the easiest thing to do would be to start with 2020, and then, as you say, yeah. you go to 2016. You know, in 2016, I just made it. I had God right. watching over, right? I just made right. it. Uh, they were shocked because we blew them away. You know, we blew them away. They couldn't produce that many ballots. We just got right. numbers that nobody thought possible. I could tell by the rallies. You know, when I had forty five, fifty thousand people going to a rally and Hillary would have like three hundred. Right. I could right. sort of see that <laughs> yeah, I kept saying, Why are we gonna lose? Yeah. No, I, you know, I say, why are we going to lose? And, you know, not only the writing fake, because the press is the press is a party to everything that you said. You know, we don't mention that. But the press is a party. Right. They do fake polls. Right. You know, the Wall Street Journal just did a fake poll. And a pollster that I know said they sh that should be criminal what they did. They did a, a fake poll. And it said anybody that says they're leading Trump and does a poll on it, they should be investigated. Because, you know, I am leading by even Morning Consult, which is not exactly our poll, came out right. that I'm like 20 points up today. Um, but, you know, when they do these polls, and, I'm, and I can take a bad poll. Like in, I had a poll, in, and I was going to lose Wisconsin 2016 by 19 points, and I mm. won. And I said to John McLaughlin, why do they do that? They lose credibility. They don't care. The only way they can win is to say you're going to do so badly that people don't show up to vote. I like yeah. Trump, but I'm not going to vote for him because he can't win. I'm going to watch a yeah. movie tonight. You know. So, Darren J. Beatty at this point says there are a lot of fakers, a lot of scammers in the polling business, as you know, including some allegedly on our side. But they're not really on our side, which is unfortunate. And at this point, we have uh, kind of a back and forth with uh, Trump and Darren J. Beatty. Fox is a terrible poll. I've always found Fox to be terrible. I was always behind with Fox. Fox is terrible. Fox is terrible. And a lot what of about Frank Fox Lund? Is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Frank He's something else. How bad is he? Oh. <laughs> he's become more—he's become more irrelevant. I haven't seen him recently, uh, but yeah. he's bad news. He's—he's he's another bad news guy. But but the people that did the Wall Street Journal poll of yeah, he's a weird guy. I'd like to check on his life, you know. And at this point, Darren J. Beatty starts laughing, and he says, "Yeah, I—I uh, don't—I don't think you would." He says, but since I mentioned it, I'd love to know your thoughts. I mentioned this bombshell story that Tucker ran on his show recently about the CIA involvement in the JFK assassination. I know you were leading the charge very strongly to have all those documents out there to the public. Do you think this is something the public can handle psychologically? Do you think it should be kept under wraps? Here's Trump's response. Are we talking about Kennedy? The Kennedy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I did re I did release the Kennedy stuff. Then somebody said, not all of it. And I said, well, I told them to release all of it. You know, uh, right. I did release the Kennedy stuff. No, I, I think it's time. As far as I'm concerned, it's time. So Darren J. Beatty responds, and he says, they're saying Pompeo was kind of pushing against that. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, I will tell you a little bit. I wouldn't say overly, but maybe enough. But, yeah. you know, I, as far as I was concerned, releasing it was good. They said some people were still living, and, you know, this and that. They always have an excuse. But, um, 
Well, if I get in there, I'll do it. Okay, excellent. I'll do it. But I did do it. You know, we largely didn't. Wasn't that largely released? Now that's kind of an interesting response, isn't it? So. Darren J. Beatty responds, it was released, and then there were some elements that stepped in. People would say it might be Pompeo, who, by the way, is he thinking of actually running in this primary? And then Trump responds. I don't know. I'm surprised, actually. I'm surprised. Uh, If if he does, I'm surprised. Yeah. I mean, it It looks like he could be. To which Darren J. Beatty responds, it seems like he's making gestures in that direction, which is very weird, but maybe not as ridiculous as John Bolton, who's also kind of indicating that he's running. And Trump has a field day with that. He was the worst. But, you know, he was such a nut job that if he was at a meeting where I was dealing with Kim Jong-un or somebody, they'd all give me everything because they thought he was so nuts that it immediately went to war. If we would have listened to him, you know, I had no wars. I stopped wars. If we would have listened to him, we would have been in three three world wars by the time you finished. He was a nut job. But he was good for me for negotiating purposes because he'd sit there red-faced, never said anything. He was like a boiler ready to explode all the time, a real nut job. But he'd sit there, and my opponent, meaning from another country, would say... Trump is going to take me into war. That guy, they have that maniac sitting there. No, right. he's a total nut. Not smart. Go ahead. <laughs> so at this point, Darren J. Beatty says, yeah, it's wild the ideas some of these guys get. We would be at war with China, Iran, Russia all at once. And you make a great point. A lot of people need to be reminded of this. You're one of the only presidents in a long time not to bring us into any new wars. That's something people really need to appreciate, especially given all of Biden's failings on the foreign policy stage. And so at this point, Trump responds. Well, Putin would have never gone into Ukraine, 100%. I used to talk to him about it. There's zero chance. Uh, she would never have even thought about Taiwan, um, which he is thinking about seriously. He wouldn't have ever thought about it. They, the Afghanistan removal was so bad that it gave them additional momentum, and that would have never happened. I would have. I was the one that got our, our soldiers way down, but I would have kept Bagram, definitely, cause, because of China. You know, it's one hour away from China's nuclear plants where they make their nuclear weapons. So I would have I would have done that. But but uh you know, we would have had the soldiers taken out last, not taken out first in Afghanistan. So, you know, all those things, those big mistakes that were made were so bad and, and even on a national security, I think when Putin looked at that whole disaster in Afghanistan, he said, This is my time to do it. But you know, I was the only one in four or five presidents where Russia didn't take over land. Exactly. And never even made a move at it. Exactly. He never even made a move at it. He would have never, ever. He understood the consequences. I told him. But he would have never gone after Afghanistan if I were there, if the election were rigged. All right. So there you have it. Donald J. Trump, an interview I bet you have not heard before, recently with Darren J. Beatty at Revolver.News. If you want to hear the whole thing, 
You just go to revolver.news, and it is all right there. I hope I've been able to share with you some um, some things that happened on uh, January 6th that you were unaware of. So I think it's time to say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online, have delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. And today's tweet of the day is from good old Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch. He says, FBI tracked banking transactions of every person in the Washington, D.C. area on January 6th, and the FBI doesn't want to tell Americans anything about this potentially massive civil rights abuse of thousands of Americans. Judicial Watch is in court right now for the truth. God bless Tom Fitton. God bless Judicial Watch. And God bless Mitch Ward and our buddies at Red River Your Way for sponsoring today's tweet of the day. You've been listening to Episode 316 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tom Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, Simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. That's the way it is. Friday, January 6, 2023.